Princess was the proud on the feast of Steve. When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and deep, brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cool. When our poor man came inside, gathering winter fuel. Either patience and thy woman, he comes with telling, yonder peasant who is he, where what is wearing. Okay, Merry Christmas. It's uh, 25 December in the year of our Lord 2022. want to thank uh, everybody, Real America's Voice, our second hour here of our Christmas Day special. We welcome back an old and dear friend. We've done this now for so many years, the combat history of, uh, of Christmas in particular, the one that's probably in American history, um, the uh, most famous and maybe the most important of all the Christmas Day struggles we've had, and that is the Battle of Trenton and everything dealing with the Revolutionary War. Patrick K. O'Donnell, the best combat historian of his generation. Um, and what I love about your books, Patrick, by the way, Merry Christmas. Thank you for, for joining Christmas us here on Christmas Day. We've been doing this for at least a decade. <laughs> At least a decade. The old, old Breitbart radio show and then here in the war room for the last couple of years. Patrick, um, one of the things I think people and the reason they they love your writing and they love your books. You know, your books are uh, a lot of them have a tremendous amount of oral history to them. You go and you interview members of the greatest generation to do books on World War Two. You went uh, and, and, and interviewed people in the Korean War. Uh, for your great book on uh, on the Chosin Reservoir, and uh, um, and and you um, actually in person, you you embedded as a writer and a journalist uh, with a Marine rifle, what squad uh, in Fallujah to do this kind of first person account of uh, the the harrowing Battle of Fallujah, which is one of the more bloody battles in American history that people really don't know that much about. But in the Revolutionary War, you also do tons of archival research for your two great books that you did, as I think, back to back on the Revolution. Obviously, you didn't couldn't interview anybody. So you went back and you, you did archival research. But it's got the same um, drama in it as if you had interviewed people. Talk about talk about just the research, the amount of research you do, particularly for your two books on the Revolution which were just incredible, right? And, and we had you on the show and we'd do specials and I got so much incredible positive feedback from the War and Posse, including so many people that wrote reviews on Amazon and just love the books. I, and I, I really the appreciate the War and Posse. Uh, they're tremendous. Salt of the earth, great Americans. I love coming on your show. It's always an honor. The, all, the, all the books that I've written, I've written 13 now, um, are all... It's hand done. I do all of the, the research myself. It's painstaking, too. I, um, I, I spent years in the archives uh, doing the research for these books. I walk the ground that the men that I write about fight where they fought um, for the Civil War book, for all the Revolutionary War books. I know every aspect of the ground that I, I write about because I've been there. And what's amazing about the battles that I write about is 
listeners can go to these places now, this hallowed ground, and walk in the footsteps of these great patriots. For the Indispensables and Washington's Immortals, I did use the great oral history archive that nobody really has ever tapped until my first book, uh, Washington's Immortals. And that was the pension application files that if you were lucky enough to survive the American Revolution, you could go down to the local courthouse and swear under oath what you saw and did. That these, um, these great patriots, if they were lucky enough to survive the American Revolution, they went under oath in front of a, a local judge and swore what they saw and did during the American Revolution. Sometimes it's at a high level. Sometimes it's very granular. I was able to take that granular oral history and insert it into the books. And that's why. Hang, hang on one second. This, this is, I never got this part from you in all the years of doing the story. That's how you got, um, because it reads like your other books and that you have almost first person accounts. There actually were first person accounts in the pension app. <laughs> and they and you were found these oral <laughs> histories because they were transcribed by the local clerk in the local courthouse. And these men had to prove that they were there. So they provided extra, a lot of extraneous detail, a lot of lush, granular detail about what they saw and did in many cases. Sometimes it's at a high level. Many times it's very granular. And it's extraordinary stuff, Steve. It's, it's dialogue in many cases. It's like an excellent example is one of the members of um, Fort Washington is in my book. And this is, he's like, he's arguably the luckiest man alive at, that survived the battle of Fort Washington. It was surrounded by the British. There were 3000 troops there. These men were ran, they ran them through a gauntlet, killed many of them, but he was able to, to survive by crossing um, the Hudson river with a rowboat. And he crossed the river and on the other side, he landed right near General George Washington, who had a spyglass in his hand and was watching the entire battle unfold. And what's extraordinary about the account is he describes how Washington had tears in his eyes as he sees his men being run through literal, a literal gauntlet where there are Hessian and British troops that are beating, kicking, stabbing with bayonets the Revolutionary War soldiers that that um, that are taken prisoner at Fort Washington, but that's just one of the accounts in the in the books that I have that are from this oral history uh, great ar archive from that um, that streamed through Washington's Immortals and the Indispensables. I want to break your Washington Immortals about a regiment that became immortal and and made kind of the 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 last stand or the stand at Thermopylae the indispensables are a group of almost kind of special forces guys from New England or from Massachusetts that end up kind of as special operators special forces and are the are the men that actually transport uh the 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 unit his unit across the Tr Trenton across the Delaware River on that freezing uh, Christmas of 1776 to put it in perspective it just set the stage because people, everybody knows the Declaration of Independence, July 4th. We, we, it's revered in American history. We celebrate it every year in this huge celebration. There are movies made about it and plays. But in your book, when you get to Trenton Christmas, people think that Trenton or that happened years afterwards. It was six months later, five months later. The revolution almost came to a halt 
because of the British Expeditionary Force that landed, I think, in August. And from August to uh, to actually Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, it is one continuous strategic retreat, is it not, uh, Patrick K. O'Donnell? Indeed, Steve. Um, the There are a number of great inflection points in the year 1776. And you know, beginning in the summer of 1776, where the British take practically their entire Navy, two-thirds of their Navy and two-thirds of their army, to crush the rebellion with all-out force. They also hire um, tens of thousands of mercenaries or hires, hired guns, if you will, allies, uh, for a politically correct term, from Germany or which German states and bring them into their army. And they're there to crush the colonists in the rebellion. They land um, in Long Island, uh, in first Staten Island. And then at the Battle of Brooklyn or the Battle of, of Long Island in August 1776, this is a true inflection point of the Revolutionary War. It's one of the great battles that's not recognized, but it's up there with Gettysburg in the sense that here in this inflection point, all could have easily been lost. The entire war was on the line. Washington had 10,000 of his troops in Brooklyn to defend the indefensible, which is New York City. It was surrounded by water, so the Royal Navy could land anywhere in New York at will. So therefore, it was practically indefensible. But Congress demanded that he at least try to defend it. He defends um, Brooklyn, and the battle goes disastrously for the for the um, the colonists. And um, it's here that there is an epic stand uh, on the level of the Spartans. It's an American Thermopylae, where the bayonets of the Revolution. The Maryland 400, or parts of the 1st Maryland Regiment under um, the second in command, Mordecai Gist, makes a series of desperate charges against Cornwallis. Cornwallis becomes their adversary, Steve, for the entire war. And they make a series of charges against a position near a stone house where Cornwallis has basically outflanked most of the American army. But they open up a passageway that allows a large portion, thousands of Americans to escape into their entrenchment. And this is a, um, a series of bayonet charges under Gist. It's a forlorn hope. Most of the men are blown to atoms by canister from the British guns, but they continue to make these, these charges that allow the army to escape. And what I found so amazing is that this sacrifice, one of the great sacrifices in American history to save Washington's army, the men of the Maryland 400 are most of those men that made that charge are still unknown where they are buried. They suspect that some of those men are buried in and around where they fought uh, near that stone house, which has now been fully developed in Brooklyn. And others were captured and put on prisoner of war ships in um, Brooklyn Harbor. And that is a series, it's basically a, a death sentence for these men. It was a floating concentration camp and most of them died on board those ships if they were captured. They made those charges though, which allowed the army to escape. And it's there that this, this inflection point takes place as well. The army is completely surrounded practically on by, by water. 
which the um, East River to its back and to its front, there are tens of thousands of British and Hessian soldiers ready to destroy Washington's army. And he makes this incredible decision to, you know, he, he has to decide if he wants to stay or fight to the death or to escape. And he wisely decides to escape. And that falls upon the men um, in the indispensables, the Marblehead Mariners, as you mentioned, kind of an early seal-like unit in the sense that they were the most skilled mariners in the colonies. They were experts at um, at fishing, uh, and, and, and also they traded around the world. They were the best men at the sea at the time because they fished what's known as the Grand Banks, which is about a thousand miles outside of, of uh, Boston um, to, to, to fish cod primarily. But uh, these treacherous waters built men of iron and uh, they were able to, to basically navigate any kind of waterway. And they needed it all that night because the night of, um, of August 29th, 30th was a disaster. The, the river was running high. They had a nor'easter before that. And it was an impassable situation where they tried these small boats, which they, it, was a, it was an American Dunkirk, if you will. They had 10,000 men in the army and only given about two or three hours notice. They were told that they were going to initially fight. And then they were, they were told that they were going to have to evacuate yeah, Washington's Patrick, army. Hang, hang, on, hang on right there. I want to leave it with their, their extracting, the great sacrifice that gave them time all heading towards these strategic retreats, all heading towards Pennsylvania, crossing the Delaware River in retreat, then coming back on Christmas Day. The combat history of Christmas, all next in the world. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden, more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, the deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer, by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text Bannon to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. Text Bandon to 989898 and claim your free, no-obligation info kit. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bandon to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. Okay. 
Okay, welcome back. Merry Christmas. We have uh, our honored guest, Patrick K. O'Donnell. So, Patrick, in this uh, in this vast retreat to uh, to Pennsylvania, walk us through what we barely get out. And, and, and you're right. Every time it's like he barely gets away. He barely gets away. The hand of divine providence comes in. Talk about how we got out of the American Dunkirk. The hand of divine providence definitely takes place here. The um, it, 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 it's an unfolding disaster, Steve. That night, the um, the tides are all bad. The the river is running very high because there was a nor'easter. It's storming out. They can't get the wind to work right for the sails initially, but with all their skill, they they initially try to call off the operation, but they can't find Washington that night. Fortunately, uh, and they continue to press on, and luckily the wind changes a little bit, and then the the men with their oars and their their navigational skills are able to navigate this treacherous current and start to make nearly a dozen crossings. That's how many times they have to go across back and forth to pick up the men, first the artillery, the wounded and the horses, and then they bring over more, and it's back and forth right under the noses of the British fleet, which is a little bit further down the East River. But miraculously, the tide and the waters don't allow that British fleet to sail up the river, fortunately, because they would have destroyed all these small boats. And it, the men continue to cross against all odds. But there, it's a race against time, Steve, because dawn is coming and with it light. And as soon as the British know that they're retreating, they will launch all out attack on um, the Continental Army in, in Washington. And at that point, um, you know, a miracle takes place. A, a fog sets in at exactly the right time to screen the movements of the army as it's crossing the river. And the British cannot see what that we were crossing. And um, almost to a man, everybody gets it gets it gets away, which is it, it's truly one of the greatest evacuations in military history. Um, we are we are able to escape um, right under the so eyes they, of the large. So because because of uh, the American Thermopylae, he buys enough time to get to the Palisades at, at Brooklyn, uh, right there by where the Brooklyn Bridge is footed today. Because of the fog and because of the heroism of these uh, of the Marblehead men, he's able to extract into Manhattan. But Manhattan is also one colossal all the way up through White Plains. Isn't Manhattan one colossal just retreat to this to this advancing, uh, you know, the best army in the world at the time, coupled with the best Navy in the world? It is. And two weeks later, they, um, the British land in Manhattan at Kipps Bay near Murray Hill now today. And um, the army shatters. It's the Marylanders who make this epic stand. As one um, historian at the time said, they bought an hour more precious in our history than any other uh, through that, that epic uh, charge at that near that stone house. And then it's the, the Marbleheaders that, that also stand with Washington. And there's an amazing scene where Washington himself is literally catatonic on his horse as the British in this massive force lands at Kipps Bay and with fixed bayonets is only 400 yards away from the commander in chief. Somebody literally has to take the bridle of his horse and get him off the field. 
he's willing to sacrifice himself um, to, to continue to lead his men in his army. But fortunately, the Marylanders, the Marbleheaders, and others buy the army just enough time to escape through what's now Central Park in a place called McGowan's Pass, and they make their way to fortifications at Harlem Heights. And uh, there's a brief um, sort of window of, of hope. The Battle of Harlem, which is fought near, um, near, near, near in Harlem, and uh, they were able to defeat some British light infantry, which is kind of a remarkable thing. But other than that, there's not a single real bright spot in 1776. It's pretty much one defeat after another, as you mentioned, Steve. And it's the men um, that are making their way to their first. They, they, they decide to not abandon Fort Washington, which is a mistake. They lose 3,000 Continental troops in that fort alone. And uh, Battle of White Plains takes place, and it's a retreat then um, across the Hudson River and then into Pennsylvania. And it's the British that are pursuing pretty much at every step. They're so they just roll back. They, they roll. They they roll back all the way through New Jersey. I mean, from White Plains, they cross the Hudson into yes. New Jersey and just all the way back down to the to the to they get to the Delaware. And they make a he makes a decision. General Washington makes a decision that uh, they won't stand really and fight or uh, no big uh, engaged conflicts that they, they eventually wants to get across the Delaware and regroup in Pennsylvania. Is that, is that the thinking at the time? That's right, Steve. They, they, they want to get to Pennsylvania because they have the safety potentially of the river, even though if that freezes over, that's a, that's a potential problem as well. They can get right across, but there's also a supply issue. I mean, all armies fight, on their stomach and supply always gather it, it determines battles supply for the continental army was the farms of pennsylvania which were friendly to the the continentals so they had to get to the to pennsylvania to supply the army and reform but washington had a major problem on his hands the enlistments for the army were expiring they first expire in in december and then many expire on January 1st. So Washington, whose army in, in New York City at its height in the summer was around 20,000 troops, is now down to a small colonel of itself and roughly, you know, four to 5,000 troops. And it's dissipating fast because the enlistments are about to expire. The mood in the country is also disastrous. One British victory after another um, has many Americans jumping ship to the British side. And this is true in New Jersey in particular, where the British had conquered large swaths of New Jersey. And people that even signed the Declaration of Independence now were signing oaths of allegiance to the British. And um, it was an absolutely horrible time economically. We had hyperinflation where money was, you know, it, it cost a fortune just to feed yourself. And um, it was a very, very, it was the darkest days, um, as many have, have brought out. And it's here that, that Washington designs his great counterattack or counteroffensive. He, um, he, he, he had to design, number one, he's losing his army. He's down to four or 5,000 men. 
uh, the the enlistments are coming up. Uh, but he's also there's a lot of questioning. You said I think it was New Jersey. One of the New Jersey representatives had already signed an oath of had signed the Declaration of Independence, signed an oath of allegiance to the British because New Jersey had essentially fallen within a couple of weeks. Um, but he also was having a testy relationship with Congress, with the people that empowered him. I mean, there was a lot of talk going on, even from some other generals. People have been, uh, you know, uh, that it had uh, had been victorious in other places that Washington. There was a lot of talk about did, was Washington up for this? Did, did he really understand how to manage? He had fought in what in the French and Indian War and, and been a hero there. But there was a lot of questions about General Washington. Was he fit for command to do this? I mean, there was a lot of backstabbing going on at that time, and, and he was bleeding out support, even in Philadelphia among the uh, among the, uh, uh, the 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 leaders of the Continental Government. Absolutely, Steve. This is a situation where you have the knives came out for Washington. There was a real question whether or not he could lead um, his rivals. There were many. There were several that um, that had experience. And they were fully prepared to step in. And they were, in fact, you know, having back channel talks with Congress to to replace Washington. And one of his great rivals is captured by um, Bannister Tarleton and and other men from the British Legion. Um, And he's brought off the he's basically taken away as a potential rival, which is a great in many ways. It's a great sort of miracle that that Washington doesn't have that, that, that situation. He's able to focus on the entire, the revolution in its entirety. He writes Lund Washington and one of his relatives that if we don't act soon, the game is pretty much up. He realizes that the revolutionary war is about to end if they're not able to, to, to be successful. And the British for their part to occupy New Jersey, they have to put up a series of fortified posts or posts Sometimes they're fortified, sometimes they're not. And one of them, furthest towards the the, the, um, the Delaware River, near the, the Washington's army, was the post at Trenton. And it was under um, a great um, colonel, Colonel Johann Rall. Um, the storybooks the, that we hear from childhood always put the Hessians as drunk on Christmas and everything else. These were experienced soldiers. Johann Rall had been fighting his entire life since he was born. He was born into the regiment and been fighting. uh, Hang on one second. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to return. We're going to go to Trenton. We're going to go to um, the Hessians, their commanding officer. We're going to talk about uh, Washington's brilliant counterstroke that uh, saved the revolution, saved the revolutionary army combat history of Christmas on Christmas Day in 1776. We'll be back in the world in a moment. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime 
in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Years have proven that we need to be prepared. We constantly see government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflict, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. Having reliable communications is essential. But don't get caught without reliable communication. And I'm here to tell you, your fragile cell phone simply won't cut it. It will not cut it. That's why I've partnered with the Satellite Phone Store, so you can stay prepared and assure your vital communication stays private. They're one of America's largest satellite telephone companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. Right now, they have a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Get a free Amerisat satellite phone, 150 monthly minutes, free United States domestic number, and free rollover minutes for only 99 95 plus tax per month with an annual agreement. Now go to sat, that's sat123.com, sat123.com slash Bannon and get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That's sat123.com slash Bannon. Do it today. Take action. When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even, brightly shone the moon that night, how the frost was cool. When the poor man came inside, gathering winter dew. Okay, welcome back. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas Day. We're here with our annual um, Christmas Day special. I think we've done this now for over a decade. Patrick here, Donald and myself. Patrick, um, so the Washington, the knives are out for Washington. There's been one strategic retreat ever since this massive expeditionary force. People have to understand the Constitution wasn't even dry when they they'd already formed it when they set sail to land here in August. The largest expeditionary force the British had ever put together. You had two thirds of the British Army. You had a bunch of mercenaries that they had, quote unquote, uh, alliances with or, or signed up. And they had the Royal Navy, which was the best pound for pound Navy in the world. And they were serious about keeping this colony because they understood they had a, they had, you know, this and India combined gave them global power that, you know, even the Romans couldn't imagine. So they were not prepared to let this go uh, lightly. This was as serious as you possibly get. And they sent their best troops. Tell us about Rawls and tell us about the Hessians that uh, General Washington was going to do this master counterstroke against. Rawls, Rawls was a um, really an incredible commander. He was a um, he was the best in many ways. 
of the of the Hessian soldiers, of the Hessian officers, born into the regiment that his father had. You know, he was fighting at age five as a drummer boy and, and just continue to rise through the ranks. The man had spent his entire life in military life, countless battles in Europe, comes to the United States, and Johann Rall is one of the first heroes of the American Revolution, at least on the British side. He's the hero of White Plains, where they lead a, break, a breakthrough um, at that battle, and he's the man in charge in front leading his troops. These guys are seasoned uh, troops. They're very well drilled. They're, they follow orders to the death and they're ruthless. Um, and Raw leads his troops at White Plains at the Battle of Fort Washington, which I talked about with Lawrence Everhart and the rowboat. He leads the breakthrough there. So he's really truly one of the first um, great heroes of the American Revolution, at least on the British side. And Rawl is got is in charge about, you know, a little about a thousand men in his regiment to, to guard Trenton. And it's an outpost. And Rawl is under constant attack. It's the local militia that's attacking him. It's the Continentals from across the river. They make raids across the river and hit his outpost. And he is demanding, um, you know, countless times from his superiors, give me more troops because I need them. Um, and uh, he knows he's in desperate shape. The men of the, uh, of the Rawl Regiment are literally, they sleep with their muskets on their side and in their uniforms and their cartridge boxes. They're constantly on alert. And they know that an attack is imminent. The British intelligence at the time warned Rawl that um, an attack would come very soon from Washington's army. And a, a series of things take place that um, on the night of, of Christmas that are, that are quite interesting. Um, the first, the, um, the, the navigation of the river itself, it's, it's, a, it's a disaster. Washington asked John Glover if his men can get the army across the river. And he says, don't worry, my boys can handle it. Um, that's, uh, that was a true statement, but the army was divided into multiple parts that night. There were three uh, prongs to that um, offensive. The um, only men that got across that night were the Marbleheaders that brought the army across. Every other aspect of the army was, was failed to cross the Delaware River because it was filled with ice. It was fast flowing. There was a nor'easter. It was snowing that night uh, very heavily, and it was pelting the men um, with snow. There was a, a, a positive to this in the sense that it, it screened the movement of the army as it crossed. And Washington had um, a very tight timetable. They had to get the entire army. His portion was about 2,600 men. And then there were other elements that were trying to cross. Those other elements, as I mentioned, failed to cross because the river was, was too treacherous that night. Um, he gets across, and then they're about 10 miles away from Trenton itself. And they have to make a, a march in the night through to Trenton. Meanwhile, um, Rawl 
is warned that there's potential for a an attack. And one of the, the great things that one of the great warnings is that he is um, he's warned that, the, that this attack is imminent. He decides to to play checkers with a local loyalist that night. And as Washington's army is marching in the snow towards Trenton, they encounter another force, which is completely out of place. These um, there were about 120 men or so from the Virginia um, militia that had made a raid on their own without any authorization. And many think that it was a, um, a raid to basically avenge losses that they had sustained earlier. And Washington is astounded that there's another American force on that other side. What's really incredible, and most historians believe, that that early force that, was, that, that landed and was repulsed by the Hessians leads Rawl to believe that that was the attack. And he goes to bed that night believing that the attack already took place. No one would attack in the middle of a nor'easter. No army would. But in fact, Washington's army of you know, about 2,600 men are barreling down the river road, which that basically parallels the Delaware River on its way to Trenton. And even that night, there's a, um, an enslaved individual that goes to Rawl with a message that says, Washington's entire army is there. Rawl takes the message from that person, puts it in his pocket, and never repeats it. And that morning at dawn, the Americans strike and they attack Johann Rawl's um, garrison. And um, they put up an amazing fight initially, the, the, the Hessians. They have several cannon that are in place. Um, they, they, they battle over those cannons, goes back and forth. And um, what's going on though is <clears throat> the men that crossed that river, the indispensables, the book that I wrote about, the Marbleheaders that brought the army across, it's under, gen um, at this time, Colonel or General John Glover, who leads his men down that river road and without orders, he captures the most important real estate in North America, which is a bridge across Assunpeak Creek. And that is Johann Rawls really only escape route to the other garrisons that are out there. And um, with it, they are able to envelop the um, Hessian garrison. It's a double envelopment which is a rare thing in the American Revolutionary War. What happens is most sides battles, and then when one side gets the advantage, they retreat, and the, the, the battle goes that way. In this case, it's a double envelopment, and Johann Rawl's entire garrison, or most of it, is captured. And Johann Rawl is mortally wounded uh, during this encounter, and uh, they capture the stacks of, of, of all the arms that the Hessians had, many cannon, and it's a great victory, but this is just one victory in the period of a course of 10 days that will change the American revolution and world history forever. After Let, this, there's something called- Before we get to that, I wanna go back. Um, Cause he's questioned later to leave, and it took much, much longer to get everybody across than he thought, but to leave and then still be 10 miles away and to know that you're in the middle of a snowstorm 
I mean, you've made the odds so long itself. Obviously, they caught him by surprise and were able to win because of the fortitude of the men and, and obviously Washington's leadership. But before they actually engage in combat, it, it, it looks like, wow, the logistics on this thing could have been better. Yeah, you're going to surprise them. But, I mean, it, it, when, you, when you think of a 10-mile march, after you've already had all the fording, a, 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 a force crossing of a river in the middle of the night, freezing with ice and how difficult it was to get everybody across, then 10-mile march in a, essentially a little mini blizzard or northeaster Easter is not the way to, to show up. And, and be ready to fight, correct? So, I mean, once again, people even were questioning, like, does Washington totally know what he's doing here? Well, the thing is, Washington always had, he always liked to like complex plans. And this is one of them. He had multiple prongs with his army, which turned out to be a positive in the sense that there was redundancy. Those other two prongs failed to cross the river. Um, but it is a 10-mile march. And Steve, let me just also highlight something else about the sacrifice of these soldiers. They had no winter clothing. Most had no shoes. And most of these men had blood trails from their feet as they marched those 10 miles. This is an extraordinary hardship. Many of these men never get paid, or they get paid later on if they even get paid. Um, and they have to make this ex extraordinary sacrifice. They march the 10 miles and then they fight. And um, it's, it's truly an, an, an epic struggle in Trenton. And it looks like initially, Rawl and his seasoned, disciplined men have the upper hand. But we bring across extra firepower. Henry Knox, this rotund bookseller from Boston, who's in charge of the artillery, General Knox, brings over about double the amount of firepower, maybe even triple that the Hessians have, and they're able to overwhelm them. But the key is also the capture of the Assunpeak Creek Bridge, um, which is important because there's another battle that takes place a week later. It's the forgotten Battle of Trenton. It's the second Battle of Trenton. It's a movie really in many ways. The bridge at Assunpeak Creek is the crucial choke point. It's the crossing point of the creek. And the men of the Continental Army are holding it against all odds. And that afternoon, um, in, in early January, the Revolutionary War is once again um, an, an inflection point. If they're able to crack through and break through that bridge, they'll be able to break Washington's army in two and destroy it. But they hold the bridge against all odds. And um, Washington that night, has a decision to make. Does he recross the river or does he attack forward at Princeton? And it's many think that it's Washington's idea to attack Princeton. Hang on one second. I want to hold that. We got one more uh, segment to go. I want to hold on this, uh, the very dramatic uh, second battle of Trenton and um, how Washington finally pulled it all together. Combat historian Patrick K. O'Donnell joins us. Merry Christmas to everybody. Short commercial break. We'll be back in the world in just a moment.
offer from My Patriot Supply. They're knocking off 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. That's 25% off the four-week emergency food kit. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now to get this great deal. My Patriot Supply is charging less so they can help American families more. This amazing price. So get it while you can. These days, you can't depend on anything else but yourself for survival. Get this food today. You'll be grateful for it tomorrow. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save 25% on each four-week emergency supply food kit. Your orders ship fast and free. Don't wait for the shelves to be empty. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com. Fair warning. Listen to this convicted home title thief explaining what happens when he forges your home's title and takes over as the new owner. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance. It's in my name. Or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. You're living in a delusion. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, it's 60 to 90 days for that person to even figure out that they're the victim of this crime. You start getting foreclosure notices. You've got four mortgages on your house. You don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Home title fraud is growing two and a half times faster than credit card fraud. You could be a victim and not even know it. Here's how to protect yourself and verify your home's title is still in your name. Visit HomeTitleLock.com promo code radio. Then register your address for your no obligation home title report. A hundred dollar value you get for free. Again, get your free home title report at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. Okay, Merry Christmas. Um, Patrick K. O'Donnell joins us. We're at, the, uh, we're at the bridge. Can we hold it? Patrick K. O'Donnell. Steve, this, the, the stones of the Assunpeak Creek Bridge are still there, portions of those stones. There's a Hessian barracks that's nearby, and this is downtown Trent. And I hope after four years, they're finally getting together the interpretive signs that I've asked for. But this is one of the great battles in American history. It's a true inflection point of the war, much like Brooklyn, where all could be lost if they could hold the bridge they hold the army in the Revolutionary War together. And it's here at that bridge that it's a bloodbath. They send, the Cornwallis sends his best troops, the light infantry and the grenadiers from the, um, the Hessians to, to try to assault the bridge multiple times. The, the bridge literally runs with blood as canister is fired upon these men as they try to seize the bridge. Washington himself is so close to the battle that his horse literally touches one of the planks on the handrails on the bridge. That's how close he is. But remarkably, there are thousands, hundreds of bullets that are flying, lead balls. He's never hit. And this is something that's, that's the case um, throughout the American Revolution. As he's leading from the front and holding his men together, line. Washington um, survives, the army survives because there is no more light. And it's in the morning 
that wash that 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 Cornwallis is rumored to have said will bag the old fox in the morning um, as they prepare to cross the Assunpeak and destroy the American army. But Washington is one step ahead. He has men with pickaxes and 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 uh, and shovels feigning that they are digging in for the night, preparing for that assault. When in fact the fires are lit and the army is moving towards Princeton, where there's another small garrison, which is in the process of moving towards Trenton. And they have what's known as a meeting engagement, where they clash on the road towards, uh, basically on the road towards Princeton. And it's here that the Continental Army is disintegrating again. But Washington himself, which an 18th century general can do at that time, puts himself in the fray and literally leads his men to victory. And they have a crushing victory at Princeton. Plan is initially to go to New Brunswick, where there is a massive war chest where the payroll of the British Army, which has about 50,000 pounds, which is an enormous fortune for the time, along with munitions and arms. But the Washington realizes that the army's exhausted and they move towards a fortified ground in New Jersey and they sit out the uh, the winner there. And did, it's did, the did, 10 days that changed the course of the Revolutionary War. It's the these, indispensables and the peril. Did these 10 days, did the, the, the 10 days give Washington also a level of confidence that he finally had now that he had a couple of uh, incredible victories against overwhelming it's not only confidence from washington but it's a confidence across the world frederick the great others that recognize in the french spanish recognize that hey these continentals these americans are here to fight and they then they then um there are other battles that follow saratoga being the the crucial yeah, one, the big one, but yeah. it changes world history. Steve, how did, how did people get uh, real quickly? How do people get to your writings? How do people get to your books? I want everybody to get to know Patrick K. O'Donnell. I'm on Getter at, at combat historian, Twitter as well at combat historian. Um, my website is my name, Patrick K. O'Donnell.com. Um, the books are on Amazon. You can download them. There are eBooks. There are also hardcovers and soft covers and audiobooks. Um, some of the, the 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 older books are easier to get on ebooks yeah. though or Kindle. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm out there on Gitter. I love the the audience the, uh, the the audience out there. On Patrick, uh, Merry Christmas! Thanks for doing this again. Merry we'll Christmas, be back Steve. on Boxing Day. We'll be back on Monday here in the War Room. Thank you very much, Patrick. Really appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Honor. Thank you, Steve. Merry Christmas to our audience.
have proven that we need to be prepared. We constantly see government overreach, attacks on our communication, and energy grid, worldwide conflict, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. Having reliable communications is essential. Now, don't get caught without reliable communication. And I'm here to tell you, your fragile cell phone simply won't cut it. It will not cut it. That's why I've partnered with the Satellite Phone Store, so you can stay prepared and assure your vital communication stays private. They're one of America's largest satellite telephone companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. Right now, they have a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Get a free Amerisat satellite phone. 150 monthly minutes, free United States domestic number, and free rollover minutes for only $99.95 plus tax per month with an annual agreement. Now go to SAT, that's SAT123.com, SAT123.com slash Bannon, and get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That's SAT123.com slash Bannon. Do it today. Take action. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplug Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. 